0: Welcome to Covenant Church's Sermon Discussion. This conversation happens most Wednesdays on Facebook Live between me, Michelle Lichty, the Communication Director at Covenant, and the Preaching Pastor from the previous Sunday. If you haven't already, I recommend listening to the sermon before listening to our discussion. Well, good afternoon. I'm Michelle Lichty. Welcome to our sermon discussion. I'm here today with David Henderson.
1: Joy to be with you all.
0: Joy to have you. And we are here today to talk about your sermon this past Sunday, David, on Matthew chapter five, verses 43 through 48, Mm -hmm. how to love those who don't act like us. And we're in our Salt Life series. And so we're talking about how to interact with people. The first Sunday, we talked about how to, to, to love those who don't agree with us. So it was like more focused on our church family. Mm-hmm. Then the second Sunday, we had the guest speaker, Mark Labberton, and he came and he talked to us about how to welcome those who don't look like us. Mm-hmm. And um, and then, you know, talking about people in our community, in our area, um, in our neighborhood, who just don't have this, who not only don't look like us, but who may not even look at the world like we do. So mm-hmm. who are different in many different ways, more than just skin color. Um, and perhaps their differences aren't skin color, um, but just an outlook and experience.
1: So and so then, economics, morals, whatever, right?
0: Right, right, exactly. And then this past Sunday, you talked about those who don't act like us. Now this is, so we're not talking necessarily about church people or the Body of Christ, we're talking about those who are outside our um, fellowship of followers of Christ.
1: Yeah, that's right, Michelle. But I think it definitely applies to both. I think I do think it is really mm. meant to apply to those who are outside the faith. But clearly, this is a. Uh, it has to do with a principle that should govern every one of our relationships, inside or outside the church. Mm. And, and just to clarify, I was just trying to keep, keep this sort of catchy rhythm with all four of these sermon titles. But right. when we're saying those who don't act like us, I'm really meaning those who offend us, those who wrong mm. us, those who uh, have it out for us, those who are opposed to us, those who undermine whatever. Um, the, the the people kind of fall in the category, whatever that category means of our enemy.
0: Hmm. Yeah, it's so interesting. I Yeah, how do we define enemy? I was thinking, do I have any enemies? And then I thought maybe I'm, maybe mm. I need to expand my circle a little bit <laughs> if I don't have any enemies maybe that's an indi- indi- indication that I'm not in very many places where yeah. I could have enemies
1: yeah and it is interesting because I think um I actually found it really helpful uh, and we can kind of explore this maybe as we begin to go into the passage but uh, I, I you know, that I, I really enjoy kind of digging at because we're always crossing over from one language to another, which mm-hmm. is really crossing from one way of thinking and conceiving of things to another as we go out of Greek or Hebrew and into English. Mm-hmm. So I often will go back and just kind of rummage around at what what lies behind this. And it was really helpful for me to realize that the, wor- the word there for enemy is mean, um, the root idea of, is hostility, is so someone who you you feel their hostility and that might be a, a gentle, smoldering hostility, just, you know, they look away when they see you or whatever. Or it might be somebody who's just uh, has it out for you and uh, and is rude to you or hurts you, offends you. Um, and yeah, because I think, you know, I think um, as followers of Jesus. think that you remember those games that we had as kids like like one is etch a sketch where you write on it or that that cellophane thing where you draw a picture and then you pull up the thing you know i think we're supposed to just as it relates to enemies is just have this way to continue to just wipe that slate clean i think that's Mm. the part of the point of this passage so we shouldn't have an accruing list of those that's our enemy list we i think we should have a long list of former enemies uh, but Uh, i i don't think we should have um, if we're if we're doing the faith right, I, I don't think I think that's a list that keeps getting erased, kind of really the point of the whole passage.
0: Interesting. Interesting. Yes. And, and then. Right. OK, now I might go on a fun a little rabbit trail. So if I am just we can go back. But I'm just thinking about. Um, if people are hostile towards you or me, um, like I can wipe the slate clean but that doesn't necessarily change them.
1: Yeah, Michelle, you just put your finger on something that's huge in this. This, We should have no no one on the list of people I am hostile towards. Yeah, I can't change whether or not somebody is hostile towards me. As it turns out, if my response is not hostile, if it's loving, I might be able to uh, help reduce the hostility that someone else has. If I seek to be reconciled with that person, we might work it out. But yeah, that's your your point is exactly right.
0: Okay, good. Because I'm like, I, I I while I don't have enemies, I I'm thinking uh I don't want that anybody to think that's because I'm superhuman or super faithful. Right. It's maybe because I'm not in places where people aren't hostile. Um so <laughs> So Jesus says in this, um, you've heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. And, um, you talked about Leviticus 1913, where it says, love your neighbor and how over the centuries that kind of got atrophied to mm-hmm. love mm-hmm. your people. Right. We love nice. our, you know, and, in, in Jesus's audience, it was loving your fellow Jews. And then hating everybody else, mm-hmm. and um, and I thought, oh boy, I wonder if that is tr- true, today, um, you know, for Christians. Yes.
1: Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. In fact, I encountered uh, someone on on the plane uh, as I was I I was uh, out of town uh, this past week, and um, and the conversation kind of started off with, um, you know, th- those those terrible people, they really need Jesus. And <laughs> my, my response was like, I paused and I said, boy, don't we all? And and that led to an interesting conversation that actually really bore some interesting fruit. But um, I think it is so easy for us to do that. Uh, you know, yeah, we're the good guys. Mm. We've got this right. They're the bad guys. They've got this wrong. And yeah, so I, I, I think that that's. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's really interesting to think what are the what are the places we as Christians might go? Yeah, yeah. I I mean, I know literally this is what that passage says, but but doesn't really more reasonably mean this. Mm. Um, And then and that's when we start talking about um, boundaries and limits and and all of these kind of ways that we might be inclined. I'm not dismissing the legitimacy of having those conversations, but we we. Can opt our way out of some of the most un- uncomfortable passages, and one that I use as an example is "Speak the Truth in Love." We have this default mode of either I speak, I, I love, or I speak the truth.
0: Mm. But
1: we we feel like we're off the hook. That I don't have to, I don't have to love the person I'm speaking the truth to. I don't have to love mm. the immoral person. I don't have to love the person who's wronged me. And yes, yeah, so, so we have this way of I think reframing those hard and probing passages in a way that's sort of rounds the edges off of them right and i think this is one of those
0: yeah we have our own
1: christian version of uh yeah love your neighbor and hate your enemy
0: right and yeah because yeah loving our enemies that's that's a that's a hard hard thing It's a hard Mm -hmm. thing to to think about.
1: (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I love what you said about um, how when we do choose to love our enemies, that means we are acting like our father. Mm. And and you brought in that passage about um, the sun and the rain shine on the righteous and the unrighteous. And I think that's probably actually in this passage, right? (laughs)
1: Yes, it is. It goes on. Yeah, that's that's where the passage unfolds. Yeah, I think um, I. I think that is really what Jesus wants to. Press us with here. He's not saying, look, um, if you're going to follow me, I've got a basic set of rules and and this Mm -hmm. is how it works. And you've got to follow these rules. He's saying, no, 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 let me let me take you back to some of the things that we believe most deeply about what it means for you to be a follower of mine. What what I promise is if you entrust your life to me, if you put your confidence in me, there's going to be something brand new that happens in your heart where you are made into a new person from the inside out. And it happens that from that point on, you will have family resemblance with me as your brother and with God as your father. And more and more, that family resemblance will be worked out from the inside of you to the outside of you, and it will become more and more obvious. I mean, I think it's fascinating. You think about how different we are as human beings,
0: mm-hmm. but
1: but when people notice something about Christians, it's always the same thing. You know, what mm-hmm. the, what is that about you? And sometimes we can pick it up with each other. Uh, Sharon and I were um, talking to someone at a store, and we both almost turned to each other with a sense of like... I I think this person's a follower of Jesus. And it turns out that person was, you know, that, that sort of, what is that same thing? It's a loving quality. It's a selfless quality, a sacrificial quality, and a a regard and attentiveness to the other person, all those kinds of things. Mm -hmm. So yeah, he's, this is not about, here's the rule, keep the rule. This is about be who you are, be whose you are. Mm.
0: Yeah. Be whose you are. And Yeah. yeah. Which is so much harder than following a set yeah. of
1: rules. Right. Harder and easier though.
0: Yes. Harder
1: if it's like, okay, well now, and we kind of get to the, we got to this at the end of the sermon. And okay. So you're just telling me just be perfect. like God is, Yeah, you know, right. that feels absolutely hopeless, but right. no, it is profoundly hopeful when we think first, this is who I am. Mm. Second, this is the work God is doing in me. So it is not mine to muster this up. It's mine to Cooperate with it to actually get out of the way so God can do his work. So the person that you encounter when you interact with me is the God who resides in me and who is making me like him. Mm-hmm. So to, um, the work of cooperation requires everything that we have, but it's not hard work because none of the weight of it depends upon us. Does that make does that distinction make sense? I know you know what I'm talking about.
0: Yes it does make sense. I know I, over the weekend had a discussion with my cousin and I just felt like everything underneath the discussion was it's dependent upon me.
1: Mm.
0: And I was trying to suss that out and be like, but it's not, Mm. it's not dependent on you. And she's like, well, what if I don't want to be transformed by the Holy spirit? And I'm like, well, that is a legitimate choice right? You have right. to make that choice, not me. <laughs> right. I can't make it for you. Nobody right. else can make it for you. But, um, but yeah, that it's not dependent upon me, the weight of it. Um,
1: yeah. And if we choose to say, go ahead. Go
0: ahead. I was going to say intellectually, it's easier to say, here's the list. I'm going to cross mm-hmm. it off. Right. Intellectually, that's easier.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes. And to
0: feel like I'm living up to the standard
1: but then we can't right. So if we're talking about in terms of actual outcomes, I mean, we've said this before, I, my, uh, years on this planet are evidence of my having a perfect record of failing to be able to change myself in any area of my life. Yeah. There's no exception. Yeah. It is, it is entirely the work of God, um, in, in my life to be able to transform me. Um, so yeah in terms of actual outcome that is entirely the work of God and and it's beautiful and amazing.
0: Yeah. It's the heart posture.
1: Yeah, that's right. Which which God brings about in us. Right. Yeah, we keep we have this default mode as human beings of arrogance of of course I'm at the center of the world of course it all depends upon me of course this is my project the weight of which rests on my head and and it's just stunning when we let a copernican revolution happen and move us out of the center and we put the sun at the center and then it's it's suddenly it's his work that keeps me mm. in my right orbit it's his light shining on me that brings life on my planet it's it's a totally different way of living life that still requires the whole of me but it's a life where actual transformation becomes more and more the experience right So then we, then we get to the real rub with this passage. Yeah. God, we are told intentionally, not as a side effect of his love for those who love him, but intentionally sends the sun, sends the rain on those who Mm. are an offense to him. Those who, who, uh, fail to meet up to his standard or cross the lines that he has established as boundaries. God actively, generously pours out on them that which is necessary for life. And then Jesus says, that's the same sort of spirit that I want you to have towards those who are hostile towards you or who have it out for you. Yes. So he's, and I think it's, this is one of the things that's fascinating in this passage is, is, you know, I think an easy reaction to that is, oh, fine. What you're saying is I just totally ignore moral wrongdoing I just totally ignore the fact that someone has hey. legitimately wronged me and Jesus is going no 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 I'm I'm using categories as God the son that God the father agrees with there is evil there is unrighteous living and, right and I am not saying we, we move to a no-fault society or or whatever I am saying that the that the the way in which you show love doesn't go through the grid first of whether or not a person agrees with you acts like you shares your moral Mm. framework um that because god is saying god our father is saying it's not how i'm doing it i he deals with our moral differences in a different way and he invites us to follow his lead in that respect he doesn't just go you i love you, you can live you i don't Pop. And in yeah. your life, you know, it's it's this generosity in providing for us all that we need to live. and and the, so judgment is still before us. For mm-hmm. those of us who are followers of Jesus, God's just and appropriately rightly deserved by us. Punishment falls on Jesus on the cross rather than on us. So this isn't do, a doing away of justice. It's recognizing that our justice is. Is redirected on Jesus and deferred until the second coming, which is very different than a no-fault society.
0: Um, right, so it's not on me to make sure that the person who's hostile to me is judged for that. If that's not my job.
1: Yeah, exactly, and and I think this is where First uh, Peter chapter two is so important for us as followers of Jesus as we will experience more and more the displeasure and hostility of our surrounding culture, where it says he came under attack, they accused him and he remained silent and he entrusted himself to the one who judges all things justly. So, and it says, and in, in this, he is setting an example for us. Mm. Um, So we are to follow the example that Jesus sets of we come under attack and the response is one of grace. I just, um, somebody just told me the story um, in one of the most recent games, uh, Purdue games. uh, Some guy was heckling um, uh, Zach Eadie. I may share this Mm. on Sunday. It might fit with this. And and just yelling at him, even during an interview after the game, he stayed and was heckling him. And he said, he's a loser. And somebody turned to him and said, you do know he got 34 points and 14 rebounds. I don't care. He's a loser. And Zach Eadie's response being interrupted by this guy who's, who's hounding. He just smiled and waved. You know, it's like that there's a picture. I don't know anything about where Zach's faith is or any of that, but it just, that's a picture of a very Jesus like response when someone is hostile towards us and has it out for us.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes, yeah, sometimes that comes from like, I just don't know what to say. So I'm going to just smile and wave. And sometimes it just, sometimes it's like, well, That's the Jesus response that I need need to have.
1: Right. Right. And to your point, yeah, sometimes we do need to go and say, hey, I'm obviously there's something you're feeling towards me. I'd love to be able to talk that through with you. I don't want anything to be between us.
0: Right. And especially if that person is a fellow believer, that is, we are called to do that.
1: Yep. But if that person is your neighbor, I think we're called to do that. Yes. We we have a different footing for that conversation. Right. We're called to do that.
0: We're called to do it. And a different, yeah, different footing. I like that term. Um, So, yeah, yeah. And I I think that one of the things we struggle with is looking across at other churches, other believers, other followers of Christ and saying, well, that's not how I would do it. And so, therefore, you are not representing Christ when... Mm -hmm. And I think this is off topic, but um, when we do something, because we aren't going to do it perfectly. That's what I'm trying to say, right? We're not going to do it perfectly. We're not going to love our neighbor perfectly. And when we acknowledge that, you know, obviously before God, and then acknowledge that even before our neighbor, that Mm -hmm. is, I think, a huge testimony. Mm
1: -hmm. Um, Right, because we'll all fall short of that perfect standard. Because right. none of us happens to be Jesus. We are little Jesuses uh, on the way towards greater and greater Christ likeness, but we are, yeah, we are, have not, we, we, we haven't arrived. And we won't until we go to be with him.
0: Right. Yeah. yeah
1: that's right. Yeah. So being able to go to someone and say, gosh, I'm sorry. I realized my, my response was just really inappropriate, or I was really rude, or I was really judgmental of you. And I asked your forgiveness for that. Or I was really unkind or I was avoiding you or whatever with our non-Christian friends. I think,
0: mm-hmm.
1: yeah, I think that's, is that goes a long way.
0: I think it does. And it's, it's so counter-cultural.
1: Yep. Yep. So one of the things that I think Michelle in this whole conversation that is so hard is how screaming loud our feelings are. Mm. God has given us part of our, Part of our having the image of God, part of our having been created in the image of God is we all have a sense of justice that is operative on the inside of us. Right. And and that that those scales get pulled out in, in the emotional realm of us and we go. Mm-hmm. Um, right? and then there's this, there's this is part of us that just feels compelled. We feel wronged. We have this reflex to pull back from the person who's wronged us or go after the person who's wronged us. And Uh, And it's that justice side of us. And so I I think one of the huge challenges is letting Jesus have the last word as Lord and not our feelings, the tyranny of our feelings have the last word in how we respond. And
0: Mm, yeah. And I
1: think something that helps us down that path is recognizing that. There isn't a single place where Jesus tells us in all of his teaching or the rest of the New Testament that your love is how you feel towards a person. Mm -hmm. It isn't. Your love is a choice you make towards a person. And it's a choice that comes out of your sharing the heart of the Father towards that person more and more. So one of the things that I kind of sum, summed up in this passage that felt important, you know, a question you've asked helpfully uh, mm-hmm. along the way in these last four years of our of our feeling invited to become a church known more for our love than for anything else is, but what exactly are we talking about when we talk about love? You know, we see these signs saying, love is love, by which it seems to be saying, just accept each other. No, don't don't have any moral framework, just just mm-hmm. like whatever floats your boat, that's great for you, this is great for me. Um, no, this is this is something completely different from that. And so the summary that I used is that love is a choice. It's a choice to see the other person with reference to God as someone mm. who, because they are created in the image of God and bear the image of God, they are worthy of our regard. Mm-hmm. It is a choice to seek God's best for them, pray for those who persecute you, who come after you, um, and then to be willing to be part of the answer to that prayer that I would be actually mm. part of how God blesses you in some way. Um, and then it's a choice to move towards them with this same sort of indiscriminate generosity that God shows towards the evil and the unrighteous. So responding to their needs rather than responding to how they're relating to us and, mm. and not giving like to like with that, but being attentive, looking past that to what, what would give you life? What would, um, what would meet you in that respect? And and uh, I think those are very specific, practical, profoundly challenging, but but um, those are things we can do. And, and I think those yeah. have the potential to be transformative in a relationship where someone is hostile towards us or is coming after us.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. I loved the story that you told on Sunday about your trip to Nepal and after the earthquake. Mm and how the Christians like just generously gave of their time, gave of their resources um, to anyone. Whereas other, like the Hindus came and charged a bunch of money for the supplies and the Muslims didn't, or the Muslims came and only helped Muslims. And, but the Christians helped everyone. And it was just a good reminder for me, like, okay, where do I try to only help those who are nice to me, even in my neighborhood? Um, and how can I how can I really choose to love my neighbors in a way, like you said, that meets their needs? If I know their needs, what can I do to help them with their needs? Yeah. And I can't know their needs unless I know them. Right.
1: That, that's right. So that, that's that moving towards them, drawing them in towards you. Mm-hmm. Michelle, I think that's exactly right. Yeah. And, um, and, and to clarify and I didn't have time to say this in a sermon, but, um, the, my, the intent of my comment was not to just be kind of a bald critique of either Hinduism or Islam. Uh, there are beautiful, uh, Hindu people and beautiful Muslims that I've met, who whose hearts are generous and whose behavior would be different than that one that was described. What yes. what the villagers were noticing was a consistent pattern among right. the adherents of these different faiths, right. and and it made Christianity stand out in an absolutely striking way. And it did lead to hundreds of, I mean, countrywide, it led to hundreds and hundreds of people beginning to come to Christ. because they it's exactly what jesus is talking about in this passage Mm -hmm. they saw something that wasn't our virtue as christians wow aren't you something no 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 this is this is about how amazing our god is this is the kind of this is how god dealt with me when i was an obnoxious sinner whose back was turned to god and he moved towards me with a posture a life-giving posture of generosity how could i not do the same so so our whole lives are when we are generous are, are like this. We're we're saying, uh, um, no, this is this is a reflection of Him. This. Right. We let our light right. shine before right. men and right. women and children, so that they would see our good works and glorify our Father.
0: Um, right. Yeah. Yeah. And for me, that story was like, oh, I recognize myself. Yes. In. Yes. The tendency to go to people who share my faith or um just be like well i mean here's the reality i've got to i've 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 got to refill the bank right so i'm gonna have to charge you money for this or whatever yes. you know like um
1: that indiscriminate the indiscriminate the, is such yeah. a hard word when it comes to love and generosity i yeah. um, something uh, a way i solved a problem that i had for a lot of years is is i know it's not helpful to give people cash when I encounter them on the street or wherever and they're asking for money or, you know, on the right. side of the you yeah, know, of yeah. a road at an intersection, um, because that can be so easily misused. But so often that has led me to just not do anything. I, Cause I, you know, I, I what, what's the means by which I can serve you in this moment when I pull up next to you in my car or whatever.
0: Right. So
1: what I finally did uh, is like, well, this took me 25 years to figure out is I just went to Payless and got a bunch of gift cards to uh, really popular easily accessed restaurants so and, mm. and subway seems like one of those that seems healthy um, way healthier than mcdonald's so i just got several 20 dollars gift cards for subway and i just always have one in my wallet so if i encounter someone it's just i can just hand it to them here you go i'm so glad you know tell me your name so glad you can so um there was somebody outside of walmart um a year ago and right after i Actually, several years ago, right after I did this, right after I got these cards, I was like, "Ha this is great!" Yeah. And so, so he said, "He said, man, you got any money? And um, I'm I'm hungry. I'd like something to eat." And I said, "Yeah, I, I'd love to. I've got this gift card. I'd love to give it to you." And he just reached out and took it and turned, didn't mm. say thank you, uh, didn't show, didn't smile. It obviously wasn't what he actually wanted, uh, right? And part of me thought, "Well, now wait a minute. Look at this generous thing I've done." And it's like. Wow, have I ever made my <laughs> generosity discriminating? I'm I'm yeah. I'm gauging whether or not I should have given it on the basis of how polite a person is in saying thank you for the gift of this thing that they need. No, that's that I need to right. be blind to the person's response and be indiscriminately generous. And and how they respond is their affair, like the the Nikludoff quote that I shared from Resurrection Tolstoy. Um, you know how How this person is treating me, that just doesn't need to enter into this equation at all, which is really the whole point of this passage again. Um, And and I think that that's where that, you know, you get to the end, be perfect as God is perfect. I think that really means round out your love, complete it, finish it out, bring it to maturity, bring it to um, uh, you've got a good start when you care for those who are your own, but carry on and round it out. So it's it's full orbed. And this part is discriminating, okay? Knock down those discriminating boundaries. Let your generosity of heart be indiscriminate. Let your desire to bless be indiscriminate. Let your um, let your uh, ability to, to regard a person as worthy of respect just because they bear the image of God. Let that be indiscriminate and and not based on their performance, how they've treated you, how they're responding to you, all that kind of stuff. Right,
0: right. Yeah yes and that and and again that is a heart posture Mm -hmm. i I mean and like you said when we when we move forward to towards others that can expose our hearts as well
1: Oh yeah yeah i mean isn't yeah isn't it a core reflex in us as human beings to either think i'm going to move towards you if i can get something from you and i'm going to avoid you if i know Something about our interaction is going to be hard, or awkward, or uncomfortable, or require something of me, and and right. I mean that's that's the unredeemed heart navigating re- human relationship, and and this Jesus says, all right, let's take that, wad it up, throw it out, form a completely new way that's that's based on the DNA of your heavenly Father that yeah. is now planted in you, and is taking root yeah. in you and growing.
0: That's so encouraging. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes, right. it is.
0: That is so encouraging. Yes. Well, any last words before we close?
1: Well, I, I think, Michelle, the one thought that I have is, and you, and I think those who heard the sermon on Sunday could feel my passion or urgency connected to this. I, I have been so struck by the fact that this passage is the passage that more Christians memorized in the first 300 years of the church. And mm. the passage that more pastors taught on in those same three hundred years than any other passage,
0: mm. which
1: also happens to be the one period in human history when the the church is remembered for having a positive reputation in the surrounding culture, mm. and the time when the church's growth um, just shot through the roof. I, I don't think that's a coincidence, and mm. and and that deeply challenges me and this this uh, instinct in us is as self-justifying Christians to um to move into condemnation mode pull back push away look down label you're the bad guy we're the virtuous good ones you know i just and and which takes our witness nowhere uh. so i yeah i i just find this to be profoundly challenging so that's one of the reasons i committed this passage to memory i've just been carrying it around with me and i thought i need to have these words haunting me by the spirit i need to let them just bore their way deeper and deeper into my heart and be part of the way that my love is made a little more mature and complete um yes. by the spirit of god each day and boy yes. do i want that i'm a long way but boy do i want that
0: yes amen i do too and i think um we've got a lot of people at covenant who feel the same way
1: and who show it wow do we have people live such beautiful lives yep
0: yes we do we're so blessed yeah we are all right well thank you very much david for your time today
1: always enjoy michelle
0: and thank you to our audience whether you've joined us live on facebook or later on our blog or our podcast we're grateful for the time you spent with us today and as we go forward with the rest of our week Let's remember to live a life of love, to love Jesus, to love his people, and to pour out his love on the world.